Welcome to the State of the Markets Escape from Lockdown Special. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com. I'm joined by Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com, Alex McCarran, who's the host of Escape from Lockdown podcast, and James Benbridge, who's the deputy editor of Country Squire magazine. Over to you, Alex. Hello and welcome to State of the Escape from the Lockdown Markets podcast. In this very special Marvel DC crossover event of the Lockdown Skeptic podcast world, Escape from Lockdown and State of Markets will be joining forces to settle once and for all the question that's been troubling Lockdown Skeptics for the past 18 months. It is all a big conspiracy. In the red corner, Proposing the motion, we have Deputy Editor of Country Squire magazine, dashing betweeded northern manchild, James the Bruiser Benbridge. In the blue corner, opposing the motion, and therefore arguing that there is an overarching conspiracy, scourge of the markets, writer, fund manager, podcaster, and now anti-lockdown music video producer, we have Tim the Punisher Price. How are we doing, gentlemen? Good, thank you. Um, yes. The, the trash know. talk commence. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Be- befitting the... Uh, befitting. And Paul, 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 uh, it's nice to be uh, on a podcast with you again. Thank you, yes. You'll enjoy it's, it's moderating this discussion. Indeed, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll, I'll be very busy because this, li- <laughs> exactly. this could get lively. No gouging, spitting, hitting below the belt or above the belt <laughs> or inside the belt. Not in the face, not in the face. we got client meetings. Exactly. Some of us might have more children. Yes, so indeed. Let's all be careful now. So uh, who's so going to kick it off then? Just to ex- Right, so what's going to happen is, let me just uh, set the rules in the format. So this will sort of be like an Oxbridge-Cambridge Union um, debate. Rah, 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 we're going to smash exactly the oiks. Because, well, as we know, everybody who's graduated from the Oxford and Cambridge Union turned out to be a total and utter fucking twat. <laughs> so we don't want to be exactly like Tim that. Price being but, a prime uh, example. Well, Oh, we're trashed all <laughs> fast. Here we that, go. That is got a Porsche. It's not an automatic. <laughs> Here we go. Gloves are already off. Um, so to explain to the listeners why we're doing this, it started off as a little bit of trash talking on Twitter. Uh, is there any? Is there any other down. kind? Is there any other kind? Exactly. It's the only place to settle modern political uh, discourse and debate. Is Twitter? Um, so. The motion of today's debate is going to be, there is no overarching conspiracy. Now, I'd like James to start us off. You'll both be speaking for 10 minutes each. And I'd like during that, it doesn't have to be 10 minutes, but more or less it. And for that initial bit, I'd like you both not to interrupt each other, but just let the other person say their piece. Then I'll give you further piece to rebut the other argument specifically in another, say, around five minute section where... Again, you will not be interrupted. Then I'll open the debate up. Um, Paul and I will have things to say. And I have thrown the questions open to the wonderful world of Twitter and the wonderful world of WhatsApp. And I even have some very special celebrity questions, which I'll be putting to both of you. So before we get started, if I can set the scene. Children are due to be vaccinated against the people who decide who gets vaccinated uh, wish in the UK against their wishes. Vaccine passports are coming as they are across the developed world. New lockdowns are threatened, and I must direct you to videos of Dr. Tedros Gabriesus of the WHO and Klaus Schwab of Klaus Schwab's Bum Swabs, or 
World Economic Forum, saying there will be no return to the new, to the old normal. It is the new normal from now on. And even today, or yesterday, I don't know the time difference, the New South Wales Chief Health Officer, Kerry Chance, said contact tracing would be part of the new world order. Slip of the tongue, or a Freudian slip. Yet we have Sweden, soon to be joined by Denmark, where sanity prevails. Indeed, I'm unjabbed and on holiday in Croatia right now and having a very lovely time. Totally normal, if not for the effing masks. So, what's going on? I'm going to kick us off with you, James. If you can begin the discussion, this house believes there is no overarching conspiracy. And your time starts now. Well, my statements may not be 10 minutes because I prefer to be more terse and concise. I'll leave the babbling to Tim. So, as we go on, so, <laughs> although I'm arguing that lockdown isn't the object of some overarching global conspiracy, I should state that conspiracies exist and anyone who says otherwise instantly identifies themselves not only as a fool, but a rather cowardly one at that. One need only look at how our supine media behaved last year. Rather than uh, pursuing the most obvious line of inquiry, which was that coronavirus came from the lab that collects them, they instead focused their efforts on the idea that it emerged from some adventurous gastronomer. The truth is, most British journalists would sooner be accused of paedophilia than of conspiracy theorising. I say this so you know that when I argue there's no global conspiracy at play, you know that I do so not as some sniffish middle-class prig who wants to silence heterodox opinion, but I say it because it's what I truly believe. So, firstly, pandemic looms must face the inescapable truth that Boris no more fucking lockdowns Johnson was not the authoritarian, authoritarian globalist they wish him to be. He is not, as is often said, Fat Blair. Even when supplied with Dominic Cummings' evidence uh, that Johnson opposed lockdown every turn, the conspiracy theorists will manipulate such evidence as, uh, as further confirmation of, of their conspiracy theory. Of course they leaked it, they'll say. It's just, it's just theatre. A conspiracy on, this, on the scale suggested by these cretins would re require an insurmountable amount of politicians and officials to hold their tongue. Patently absurd. Yet the absurdities persevere. It's dimly felt in these circles that the CCP, Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab form some sort of league of supervillains. Granted, Klaus Schwab dresses like a Flash Gordon villain, but it's an eccentricity that can be explained due, I think, simply to him being German. Another question <laughs> these pandemic vagrants will answer, uh, must answer is, if it were a global conspiracy, then why didn't Sweden, along with some American states, take part in it? Why were they spared the horrors of this great reset, of, of Bill Gates's genocidal intentions and Klaus Schwab's anal swabs? The same sages who proclaimed COVID to be a global conspiracy claimed only seven months earlier that Trump could somehow still retain office even after Biden had been sworn in. The great hope turned out to be nothing but a great disappointment. And yet, like love-struck teenagers, the so-called truthers still cling to their charlatans' untruths with a kind of wide-eyed adoration. I find these people faintly disgusting. They espouse the virtues of free thinking while doing anything but. Conspiracies offer a sense of belonging to those who never belonged and give an undue sense of importance to life's inveterate losers. Knowingly or not, Mr. Price attracts these people like shit does flies. They regard Price's vague talk of an uprising, typed in block capitals, as is his custom, with some mystic significance. If Tim Price is to be respected, then it should be due to the fact that he's an incredibly successful, as I believe, hedge fund manager, and has written for prestigious publications such as Money Week, not because he posts some spicy tweets of which his followers probably don't understand anyway. And yet, 
Mr. Price is happy to let the basement dwelling, I'm sorry to say, but sock sodomites go unchallenged, almost, almost reveling in the splashing of adoration they lavish upon him. Well, I think it's high time this conspiratorial bukake came to a climax. <laughs> oh, that was quite something. I think I could speak for any, anyone here by describing it as eloquent but rude, which is also how, S- how I would sounded, describe sounded James Bembridge. slightly jealous to me, but anyway, carry on. <laughs> right, well, that's quite the gauntlet laid down. Yeah, but this is um, the thing is, though, um, that was what I wrote, so it goes downhill from here. <laughs> You know, I was just oh, reading it gets from worse. Script. Oh, there's more. No, no, no. I'm saying that it goes down from here because oh, what I was saying then, I was reading from a script. So you know, it was it was, it was a very. If I very much enjoyed that. I think sock sodomizer is going to become a new a new. I was phrase. especially proud of that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a meme. We've we've just witnessed the birth of a meme. We should appreciate that. Um, so uh, Tim, talk has trash talk has been talked. Gauntlets have been laid down. Um, would you lay out? Your opening argument, Sure, please. thank you. So thank you for the invitation, everybody. Um, firstly, my credentials. I'm a graduate in English from Christchurch, Oxford University. I've spent 30 years, a little bit over 30 years in the capital markets, 10 of which were as a bond salesman. The last 20 years have been in private client portfolio management. I've served as chief investment officer at three successive firms, and I now run an asset management business, which is not a hedge fund. Um, so those are my, those are my credentials. Um, uh, listening to Mr. Bembridge, I'm conscious that the the ad homonyms were, were piling up so fast pretty soon you needed wings to stay above them i'm not going to descend to to his level of um trash talk so i'll, I'll try and keep it family friendly covid19 has always been about money and power there are at least three separate legs to the st- stool of global fraud as i see it the first is lockdown itself lockdown i would suggest is a function of chinese communist party psychological operations. The second leg is coerced vaccinations. Coerced vaccinations, I think, are a means to vaccine passports, to universal biosurveillance, and to a Chinese-style social credit system. They're also a means to universal basic income, the introduction of central bank digital currencies, which would itself mean the end of financial freedom. And this is something I've been concerned about for a while. I would refer anybody, and I'm happy to supply a, a copy of this book, to a PDF copy of this book to anyone who's interested, I read about this in a book in 2015 called The War on Cash. The third leg of the stool is what I'd call a monetary reset, a monetary regime change deriving from a bankrupt system. This is an opportunity for a globalist elite to profit while impoverishing the rest of the world, or possibly something worse even than that. And for anyone that's interested, I covered this ground, the the problem of the debt reset, in my 2016 book, Investing Through the Looking Glass. Let's start with um, a golden oldie, Adam Smith, the famous... Scottish economist. People of the same trade seldom meet together even for merriment and diversion, but the conversation ends in a conspiracy against the public or in some contrivance to raise prices. The reality, as 2008 showed us, is that special interest groups lobby and they lobby hard. Back in 2008, that lobby special interest group was the banking system, was Wall Street, for want of a better phrase. Having worked in the city uh, for all of my adult life, I can confirm the city is full of special interests and charlatans and not, frankly, the, the, the most um, moral of people necessarily. There are some good people, I'm sure, there, but also there are an awful lot of bad people. The people I'd like to cite, I think, are good people and they're honest people. And I find this, this, this next observation quite striking. All of the most insightful observers of the so-called pandemic I found to be people from the financial system itself. So the names I would cite, and we'll cover all of this in the, the show notes, um, they would include, in, in, in effectively in, in chronological order, 
Michael Sanger, who's a tax lawyer from the state, Nick Hudson of Pandata, Pandemic Data and Analysis, who's an actuary, Catherine Austin Fitz of the Solari Report, who is a, a creature of Wall Street. She was formerly with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Gentleman by the name of Chris McIntosh, who's a, unlike me, is a hedge fund manager. Barry Norris, who's a UK fund manager. And most recently, Dan Tubb, who's a specialist in venture capital and has more recently morphed into the cryptocurrency space. Dan recently issued a very interesting thread on Twitter, and I'm going to quote a little from that, if I may. So a few weeks ago, he said, he commented, do you want to know why the elites have destroyed your lives over the last 15 months? We'll read on, I promise to explain all of it. And in essence, the argument is as follows. What 2008 showed us was that the world was drowning in debt, and the authorities, instead of tackling that problem, decided to kick it into the long grass. By kicking the problem into the long grass, we are now where we are. The system is overloaded with debt. It cannot possibly survive in its current form. So what we're experiencing is a reset primarily of the monetary and global debt system. If you accept the argument that there is too much debt in the system, you can then you then really have to accept that there are only three ways of dealing with that predicament. One is to engineer enough economic growth to keep the debt serviced. I'd argue that was impossible back in 2008. It's certainly doubly impossible now. The second way out is to default on the debt. Since we operate in a credit-based monetary system, that would be the equivalent of Armageddon. The third way out is what every desperate government has resorted to since the beginning of recorded time, which is you inflated away. We are in the process of what Chris McIntosh calls a controlled demolition of the modern monetary system. The next question you have to ask yourself is, qui bono? Who benefits from this? Well, clearly the rank and file of us don't. The average man in the street has been impoverished by lockdown and by all the other measures that have been introduced haphazardly by the authorities over the last 18 months. However, those people who are already who were already the wealthiest have benefited hugely from this, and we all know who they are. And Archbishop Vigano in Italy issued a letter at the end of last month Deliver us from evil, in Latin, libera nos amalo. And I'm going to quote from that. The Great Reset Plan was not the result of the ravings of some so-called conspiracy theorist, but the crude evidence of a criminal plan conceived for decades aimed at establishing a universal dictatorship in which a minority of immeasurably rich and powerful people intends to enslave and subjugate the whole of humanity to the globalist ideology. And Archbishop Vigano names names. Quote, what Kalergi, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, Klaus Schwab, Jacques Attali and Bill Gates have been saying since World War II has been published in books and newspapers, commented on and taken up by international bodies and foundations made up precisely by parties and government majorities. What, what has been the objective of these, um, this is so-called uh, New World Order, this Great Reset? Quote, the United States of Europe, uncontrolled immigration, the reduction of wages, the cancellation of trade union guarantees, the renunciation of national sovereignty, the single currency in Europe, the control of citizens under the pretext of a pandemic, and the reduction of the population through the use of vaccines with new technologies. The result of a planned, organised and coordinated action, an action that clearly shows itself perfectly adhering to a single script under a single direction. Now, I've got more to share, but I think in the interest of time, I'm going to cut my synopsis short and we can take the uh, debate further. Oh, sorry. That was the end of that. Um, so, sorry, I was, I was absolutely transfixed by that, Tim. Um, that was well-researched eloquent, thought-provoking, and um, really raised some quite severe questions that all of us have to think about. Uh, if I can summarise, if I may, it seems that you're definitely veering towards the position that uh, the COVID-19 virus, or panic thereof, originated in a plan that had been conceived many years, perhaps, if not perhaps decades, decades ago. prior. Perhaps decades prior, exactly. 
So before we crack on and uh, lube up and get into a four-way um, Royal Rumble. Bukake. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to give each of you a five-minute space without interruption where you can rebut some of the arguments you've just heard your opponent make. Uh, James, if you'd like to begin. Um, well, I, I, I think it would be better if I can say what I say and then um, Tim can, can, can uh, bounce off on what I say. Um, without just another monologue, um, unless you have a problem with that. No, I don't. Well, well, to be fair, to be fair, Tim might want to delve into what you you've said. So if you, so why don't you just say what you want to say and then let Tim do that, and then you then we can move to that afterwards. Uh, well, I mean, just my initial reaction from that was that um, it's somewhat fitting that Tim quotes an archbishop, um, given that I mean, for me, some of the conspiracy theories that he espouses are sort of. Um, Elevated to an almost religious plane, free from the burden of proof. Um, yeah, and, and if it, if uh, this COVID pandemic uh, were conceived many years ago, then by from whom is what I want to ask Tim. All right, oh Tim, I think um, that's been uh, laid down uh, quite um, firmly. And, and actually, what I would like to, and actually, no, I'm not going to bring any questions now. I'll wait until well, Tim needs to respond this little first. Bit. Yeah, okay, exactly. so, so I'm being, I'm Tim, being asked to show respond? proof. On February the 17th, 1950, testifying before the United States Senate, James Warburg said, we will have a world government whether you like it or not. The only question that arises is whether this world government will be established by consensus or by force. Four years later, the Bilderberg Group was born, which has counted amongst its members characters such as Agnelli, Kissinger, Monti, and the current Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi. In 1991, David Rockefeller wrote, quote, the world is ready for a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is certainly preferable to the national self-determination practiced in past centuries. He added, We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right global crisis and the nations will accept the new world order. And this is quoting our Archbishop friend again. Today we can affirm that this right crisis coincides with the pandemic emergency and with the lockstep outlined since 2010 by the Rockefeller Foundation document Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development. There are links provided in the show notes for all of these cited events. I would also refer people to Event 201. I would also refer people to the documentation on the World Economic Forum's own website relating to the Great Reset. It is a very strange conspiracy that hides in the full glare of the public domain. I think that speaks to the hubris of those behind the conspiracy. In June 2011, the Sovereign Independent newspaper carried the headline on its front page, Depopulation through forced vaccination, the zero carbon solution. Link will be provided. Beside the headline, a photograph of Bill Gates was accompanied by a quote from him. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive services, brackets, abortion and contraception brackets, we lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. That is what Bill Gates said 11 years ago. And I'm going to finish with a quote from J. Edgar Hoover, quote, The individual comes face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. The American mind has not come to a realisation of the evil which has been introduced into our midst. It rejects even the assumption that human creatures could espouse a philosophy which must ultimately destroy all that is good and decent. COVID-19 is quite simply about money and power, and it always was. Right. Powerful again, Tim. I'm amazed that you think that that, that, that was actually um, um, 
you know, any sort of evidence rather than supposition. I'm amazed I mean, that you think at all. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you pose a very credible threat to uh, Carol Cudwaller. I mean, the amount of conspiracy and conjecture which you come out with. I've cited my sources. Am I, imagine, no, am I sorry, imagining none of them? them are, none of them are evidence that, that, that this COVID pandemic was planned many there years ago. There are none before. so You're blind in, as those who cannot see. Well, I'm asking for evidence, not conjecture. Well, I'm sorry. I can, I can only go with what's in the, in the public domain, James. Yes, and none of that proves your, proves your theory. Well, I'm sorry. You require a, a burden of proof that's it, quite simply impossible to Who doesn't? Provide. So, so let, let's take it another way. Let's say, um, what are you, James, are you happy with the way that things are going at the moment? Do you think the government is managing things in a way that you like? And... Um, are, are you happy with the way the vaccines are working as well? Do you, do you think all of this is, is, is okay? I'm happy with how the vaccines are working. Well, I, I wouldn't have written an article against vaccinating our children if I, if I didn't think so, if I thought, uh, if I thought that they were, rather. So could I ask the question then, why, why do you think there is this pressure to vaccinate children? Because Boris Johnson, it, it's political posturing. And a very myopic way of thinking in the government, as most, as, as, as is always the case. Uh, Boris Johnson sees uh, vaccinating everyone, even though it's now been proven that the Delta variant means that uh, the notion of gaining he- herd immunity via vaccination is now um, not possible. Even though that is the case, he is still ploughing ahead with it like some sort of um, half-sanitised Highland bull. Uh, because he thinks that it's just the sort of political way out of lockdown. He thinks that if he does this, then he can't get any pushback from the uh, uh, from the union, the teaching unions, for instance, and and uh, especially the sort of uh, left wing media who rather like lockdown. You know. But what about all the parents? So I think. So, sorry, Carol. Sorry, I was just I just so I think this is quite an interesting point because it's obviously something that you and Tim both agree on if i if i may say that is that right tim oh in what in what context sorry what the the we shouldn't be vaccinating children you're both agreeing on i think something. i think we both agree on that exactly yes. so i just i didn't want to speak for you but you 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 both got some common ground there so if if you work back from that common ground you think james is saying it's political as to why um boris johnson's going ahead with it now tim why do you think the government are going ahead with it I don't think the government are calling the shots here. I think the government is simply responding to. I think the government is simply responding to directives from uh, people with more influence, and I've already named who the Archbishop thinks those people are. I would I would refer to them as Davos man. Catherine Austin Fitz would refer to him or them as Mister Global. But we all know who we're talking about because their identities is a open secret on Twitter. But I suppose Tim, what 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 I would take from what James is saying and. Um, a quite essential core of this argument is that perhaps, you know, let's, let's not be on a bush. We all think what's going on is wrong. Uh, just on that, but just to cut it, just to cut in, Alex, there's wrong and then there's evil. I think what's going on is profoundly evil. And I say that as a person who's not particularly ah, okay. religious, but I've become increasingly um, respectful of, of spiritualism and spirituality over the course of the last yeah. 18 months. And I think I'm not alone in that. I think what is happening in the world to, if you like, compensate for the so-called Great Reset is a so-called Great Awakening. And I consider myself awake, and I think every day people, more and more millions of people are waking up to what to the horror, the, the full enormity of what's going on around us. It is like living through 1930s Germany. I, I would completely agree. I've noticed that in a big way as well. Um, you know, we, we, all, we all know James Denningpole, and actually his brother Dick as well. They talked about a lot on their last podcast together that 
you know, they, they call it being white-pilled. Um, although I suppose a counterpoint to that would be one could say that the, a lack of a rational explanation will lead people to grasp for non-rational explanations if, if it's not insulting to call spiritualism religion non-rational. Um, I'd actually like to bring up a couple points sort of in support of um, what James said. So as I said before, I sort of cast my net out to other uh, lockdown skeptics uh, through various means, and I got some nice responses. So this is from Alison Pearson. We all like Alison. Uh, I've been very resistant to conspiracy theories. I think much of it is arse covering through copying other countries, so they can't be blamed. In the UK, things are compounded by having weak leaders who are running scared of strong unions. UK schools were shut longest in union in Europe, apart from Italy, because the government wouldn't tell teachers to get the hell back to work. Now, I think they've bought hundreds of millions of lateral flow tests, so got to keep testing rather than admit grotesque waste of money. Hang on, that is kind of a conspiracy. That's an interesting point. Uh, who, who wants to take that first? James. No, of course not. In fact, I hold, um, you know, not, not this sort of person who generally went along with it just because they ha uh, knew no better and often go along with what higher authorities tell them to. Those, okay, fine, they're absolved from me. But those lockdown hawks who, who, who you know, who sought to um, subject us doves to a series of slurs and, and, and whatnot just for us opposing the uh, Corona Act, without which, you know, this child grab that we're now seeing would not have been made possible. So those, pe those parents, of which I know some, and, and they, they used to call me, uh, you know, all, all sorts, ranging from, uh, you know, um, Dan Hodges' favourite slur, uh, lockdown denier, uh, to being actually murderers, they said. And now I know some parents who are saying, uh, OK, we're not, we're not on board with, with the, uh, the state becoming a, sur becoming a surrogate for our child. Well, you know, to which I say, well, sorry, but I told you so, you know. So I, I do hold those people responsible because they, they didn't just take an inactive part in this. They, they egged the authoritarian government on to do so. Right. And, and what, what I, so Mark actually did a follow-up on that, which I'd like to sort of follow you on, where he says, uh, but there are loads of culpable folks, even if the initiation of hysteria was due to fear of infection, positive feedback, etc. The job of political officials is to be immune to such groupthink, and they were criminally negligent as were public intellectuals and journalists, as were those trying to exploit the panic for their grand schemes, even if they believed they were initiating good. Criminal negligence and a moral overthrowing of human rights for one's ends. Even if, you're believe, if you believe you're doing a selfless good, that's not an excuse that removes culpability, uh, which I think very much agrees with what you said. And um, so Tim, this wasn't a question submitted, but it was a tweet that I thought would be worth putting in. Um, it's called Ben Irvin, who's, who's been very, very um, vocal um, about the fact that this isn't an overarching conspiracy, it was weakness in the face of the unions, which is also what Alison alluded to. Um, ben actually ap appeared on Escape from Lockdown. It's still sort of in the brew, but it will be coming out, so look forward to that one. Um, <laughs> ben, ben prefaced this by saying, let's poke the hornet's nest. Why? So, Tim, why has Denmark turned its back on lockdowns, COVID passes, and all other forms of COVID lunacy? I don't know. I mean, I, the, the okay. idea that, that, that someone who believes there is something deeply wrong and deeply malicious going on, the idea that we have to sort of cite chapter and verse to explain every single thing that's happening in a very complex world, I think is a bit naive. What I would say is I think there's undou I undoubtedly recognize that there are political interests uh, coming, coming to the fore. So as, as Paul will, will validate, we've sp together we've spent the last... 18 months, certainly the last 12 months on the state of the markets, asking every guest 
is this cock-up or conspiracy? And the best answer I can come to now is it's both. It's so, for example, I'll cite um, I'll cite Sean Corrigan, who's a, an economist at the Austrian School based in Zurich, I believe, and he's the first person that enlightened me about this phrase uh, from Gramsci or Gramsci, the long march through the institutions. I first heard that in a in a um, in a wine bar in the West End twenty years ago, and I hadn't heard the phrase before. So, for anyone that's unfamiliar with it, it basically alludes to the ongoing suffusion of socialist interests throughout the Western establishment. And I think it's not too, too contentious to say that that process has reached its, 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 its climax now. I think one, one thing that can explain some of the extraordinary behavior on the part of politicians and government agencies et al. is that they've been over, overwhelmed by communist sympathizers. Again, using the qui bono argument, who benefits from this? Well, Nobody in the West economically benefits from lockdown, but China does on a relative and absolute basis. So I think there's an awful lot behind Michael Sanger's point that lockdown in isolation, sui generis, is a Chinese Communist Party hoax. And the reason that the UK government can now never apologize for what it's done is because it would be tantamount to accepting that it's been fooled by the biggest hoax in the history of the world. Um, but what I would say to that now... Obviously, you know I'm, I'm a huge fan of Michael as well. I think we've had long conversations about this off air too. I, I think he's an absolutely brilliant man. And I think one, he's got his finger on the button more than anything. Uh, but what, what we have to engage with, with what Michael says, is that is there really a congruence of interest between the Chinese Com Communist Party and um, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Bill oh, that's Gates? That's a contradiction, Gates. isn't it? Does, does he care? Sorry, what is, so James, if you could take that one and then to Tim. No, I was just saying that that, that is the contradiction, isn't it? On the one hand, uh, although I think, no, I don't think that, uh, that Tim, from what I've spoken to him, I don't think that he thinks that they, that they are, um, you know, w working this together. I think what he thinks is, which uh, I've got to say that I have some belief in too, is that the, um, so, first of all, um, the idea that, Coronavirus um, was um, released purposely by the CCP, which is not without evidence. I mean, the um, the virologist, which is now in hiding in America, did say that it's uh, not only that the virus originated from the, the lab that collects them in Wuhan, um, which there's now growing consensus that uh, that, is, that is the case. But she also said that they released it on purpose. And so I surmise that if they were to release it on purpose, then it would be to uh, then um, prescribe lockdowns as, the, as its cure to the Western world, um, you know, with helping with, with the sort of undue influence that they have in the uh, World Health Organization, uh, simply to weaken the West's economy. I don't know if that, I think that's what uh, Tim believes. I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would go further and I'd say that it, to me, it seems to be um, accepted common knowledge that the that I think the reason why the, the truth is going to find it so difficult to emerge, given that the, 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 the world's mainstream media are clearly under some kind of spell, whether compromised economically or otherwise, the reason the truth is going to be so difficult to surface is because it is, as I understand it, common knowledge that, that Anthony Fauci illegally funneled millions of dollars of US taxpayers' money through Peter Daszak at the EcoHealth Alliance that ended up in the Wuhan lab and then it escaped. Whether it escaped deliberately or accidentally is kind of academic now. The reality is we know what happened. Um, so 
the, the, the synopsis of that is that the coronavirus is a US-China co-production. I think Anthony Fauci should, should be hanged for what he's done, but that's just a personal opinion. And of course, I believe in the rule of law, so I don't advocate violence. Um, but I think we are, we are getting to a stage where you know, there is an abundance of evidence that bad actors have exploited a situation for commercial purposes, for you know, personal material gain. Uh, millions and millions of people have been affected by this. Millions and millions of people have already died, whether through, through the disease, through suicide, through neglected uh, uh, affiliated medical care, uh, through starvation. Supply chains have broken up around the world. This is a non-trivial issue. This is, I would say this is worse than the Holocaust. The idea that no one is going to be punished for uh, what I think is in some cases quite clear bad action, I think is quite extraordinary. Well, that's quite the charge, Tim. I, I'd, be happy, I'd be happy to substantiate. I'd be happy to go to court to defend my allegations. I would love a day in court because it seems that basically every single facet of the Western administration is basically uh, unfit for purpose right now. We don't have a functioning well, parliament. I know, we don't I know, have a functioning I know, judiciary. I know. We certainly don't have a functioning police force. The rot is deep. Well, I know two um, barristers who were trying to bring the case to court that um, you know the no jab, no job policy is illegal, and the the judge, some one of the judges, keeps postponing it. It's as if it's as if Nuremberg never happened. <laughs> well, but but certainly with the uh, conspiracy and cock-up thing, I think I can agree with you that you know it was conspiracy on the CCP part and um, a cock-up with the Western governments that were so credulous to go uh, along with And I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to accept that there was then, let's say, not concerted conspiracy, but let's say co-opted pragmatic exploitation by commercial bad actors. Yes, 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 of course, yeah. I'd like to interject a question from um, someone on Twitter, because I think it's, a, it's an interesting overarching question. Um, it's come from at C-Punked, um, with no... Well, I'll spell it A-C-P-U-N-K-D. And it, he's asked, at the start, politicians, global org organisations and mainstream media, media parroted the term the new normal, which has now moved into build back better. Is the use of these terms worldwide more coincidence or does it suggest coordination? And what do you believe they mean? So what does the term build back better actually mean? And why, why were so many governments using this term i mean you know when uh, go back to when was it uh, 2017 or so when theresa may kept on parroting that f fatuous phrase brexit means brexit all the all the all our british journalists were happy to ask her what exactly that means and yet none have asked boris johnson what build back better means um it's it's the same thing you know they are so um, afraid of being shown to uh, you know see be, to be seen as any pursuing any sort of conspiracy line of conspiratorial thinking but, right but why 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 what's so bad about being a journalist and say sorry sorry could you just explain that what what does it mean it's the, yes it's the, it's the, it's a slavish group thing but they but they weren't a slavish group before so you're actually making an argument you, you're making a better argument for it being a conspiracy you know going for, as far back to orwell in the uh, late 30s uh, with his proposed forward animal farm, which um, ironically, almost a previous point, the publishers didn't publish, he said that the problem with British journalism is, is, is not that they are censored by the state, but they self-censor. Some things are just not the done thing to say, you know? 
So there's always been that that, that sort of um, culture within British journalism, I think. So you can accuse them of inconsistency, but it's it's an inconsistency that a lot of people were scratching their heads about. And, and it's a very odd one for them to have not asked anything about. But, um, but also, may I say this? No one asks... Uh, I mean, I know that they've all parroted the, the fatuous phrase, build back better and whatnot, but so have our world leaders parroted the phrase, um, you know, other phrases such as smash the patriarchy or, or trans women are women. It's, it's just the same what, sort of jargon. Mm, I don't know whether that's... Well, that's well, I would ju- if I could jump in for a second and say whether the idea of build back better originated actually came from... Uh, disaster relief uh, frameworks. So it was actually uh, brought in, in in a UN conference on disaster risk reduction in Japan in 2015, um, which may explain, you know, it, it does almost sound like it's come from someone who perhaps doesn't each, each speak English as a as a first language. Perhaps, perhaps someone, perhaps someone, who, in it. perhaps someone who looks like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> who on earth could you mean? So, um, <laughs> so Paul. On, uh, going back, I didn't mean Paul. No, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> so at um, at Liberty Biscuits has asked. Uh, sorry, Tim, I haven't asked you to answer that question because I think you've you've you know you've you've perfectly answered um, it already in what you've said before. Um, unless you want to say something on no, it. No, I've got nothing to add. No, no. Okay, cool. Um, so I was just going to say at Liberty Biscuits has asked a question. Um, how many? And obviously, this is for Je- more for James. How many coincidences should be tolerated before the question starts to be asked whether it is actually a conspiracy? So is there, in other words, is there a point for you, James, where things just become so evident where you have to start to wonder whether there's a conspiracy? Yes, um, of course. And I'm open-minded and I, you know, I, I, I take Tim's, po- and, uh, Tim's points and other people like him. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> I can't advance on those points and say I know them to be a truth without any shred of evidence of which, I mean, until now, all that they've supplied me with is a series of coincidences, uh, which they frenziedly link together as if it were a a proof of their point. I'm I'm, I'm linking mine together quite calmly and dispassionately. I mean, how how you define... What you do with your own evidence, uh, whether it's forensic or not, it's up to you. Sure, I, I, I'm just, I'm really intrigued because, because um, on the one hand, James, I, 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 I have sympathy for the argument that you know you don't want to be drawn in as a conspiracy theorist, and I think part of the problem is that that is it's not that. It's a very emotive phrase. Um, you would, you no, would, yes, which I've, to which I've already said that we live under this climate yeah, where. Yeah. Uh, British yeah. journalism is uh, living in fear of being called. Yeah, such, but yeah. but this we're not talking about British journalism. We're talking about you and what you believe and what you're willing to prove. So what we're what we're trying to say here is, you, you're saying things that you're alarmed by, but you 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 can you're saying that you you find them find them to be coincidences, and well, what um, I know what, what I said to you is that I believe already one of Tim's. Uh, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. which uh, and i believe it because it has known evidence of a witness statement but this is this is, is the, the problem these these are the points 
are you have to do the research. And what I tend to find is when you try to give research to people who don't believe, who don't want to believe it. So a year ago, we could have been talking about whether there was a, a, a deliberate leak in a, in a Wuhan lab, and you'd be saying, "Well, there's no evidence of it," and we'd be saying, "Well, you know, it's, well, it's, it's no, seems pretty no, obvious." No, a year ago, but now, a year ago, I was saying it was the obvious line of inquiry. Okay, so so that's that's good critical thinking. Now now we're seeing we're in a position where. The vaccines don't stop the spread, um, yet we still have. Then vac- they're not vaccines. If okay, they don't, okay, if okay. they don't provide immunity against a disease, then whatever they are, they're not vaccines. So they, but this, I, we are we are dealing with a a malign corruption of language, which is which is all to to the sort of this is exactly the sort of thing that Orwell would have warned about. That the the first is the first thing that that dies in war is commitment to you know, normal normal discourse and language and it's gone out the window i think the, word ga- the words gain reason- a function I mean, I for again example, again that's a, a point that we all agree with the words gain a function i think as far as fauci goes has, has been manipulated because you know he could just say it's not gain a function and, and then you have a thousand scientists or a hundred or whatever say it was so it it does come down to semantics and that's that is a problem um but what what i'm what i'm trying to say here is that um even if you're not willing to look at any of that evidence the fact that right, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to be provided. Okay, with, so okay, but, not, but, not but the, let's say the evidence that is out in in what you're seeing in the world at the moment. Why you're saying it's just that the that the government want to vaccinate children just because they're a bit worried about what the teachers might say. Well, what about what the parents might say? I mean, that's that's just that's just well, so strange. Unless there was a load of money to be made by someone and there was influence somewhere else, why the, would they the, want the to issue, do that? The issue here, Paul, is that the the focus groups and the polling is consistently saying that the parents would support this. But that's now, rubbish. That could be because they've been propagated. But they have been propagated. Yeah, but that's like saying that Nadine Zahawi's polling numbers are remotely accurate. We all know they're complete and utter bullshit. But the JCVI have said said that they don't think they should be vaccinated. So why? And the government were like, well, very surprised. We're still want to vaccinate the children. I mean, we think we should. So like, why don't well, they follow I, well, that? Well, I, my argument is I would point to, because I've sort of circled around government once or twice in my career. And what I would say is just don't, don't think that these people are intelligent. They think they are, but they're not. There was a very good article by Katie Balls in The Spectator a few months ago saying that vaccination of children was coming. And the argument that, she, well, not the argument, the point she put forward is what the cabinet were thinking, what she'd heard through various off-the-record briefings and leaks and whatnot. Essentially, they've all been told that there's 80% herd immunity threshold's got to be reached. And you're going to, even if you vaccinate 80% of adults, you're still only going to be at 60% of the population. So you've got to move into children. Now, I think that they mistakenly think that herd immunity means eradication. It doesn't. It means endemic equilibrium. It means that the virus becomes seasonal and over time it will become more mild. And it will affect fewer and fewer people every year. But to, I, I would never pull apart uh, idiotic thinking from this whole process. Now, the question which I think is, is very worrying, and the question I put on Twitter is, do these people think that the reports of myocarditis from Israel and, and apparently from today from the States back this up? It's about one in 6,000. Do they think that it, it, it's, it, either it's fraudulent or they don't care? And I'm very worried that they don't care. I, I think that is evil, but it doesn't mean there's no overarching conspiracy. No, quite. Also, I will say this, that uh, you know, a famous uh, GP which appears on television every now and then told me that um, there is a sort of culture within the NHS where they feel the need that if someone 
comes to them and they are presented with some sort of adverse effect from one of the vaccines, then they feel the need to say, oh, no, it's not from the vaccine, because they feel that to do so would be to harm the vaccine rollout, you know? So as long as that goes on, no, no one's going to have... Con uh, 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 no one's going to have informed consent because uh, the people aren't being supplied with information. Well, I think the I think the health I think the healthcare profession is going to regret the way it's behaved throughout this this monstrous farce. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But what, what I would say in defence of that point that James has made is that were I to go to my quote unquote normie friends and put to them, you know, a vaccine injury. In fact, one of my friends, I thought quite bravely, wrote on Facebook about a vaccine injury that, that, she, that they had received. Um, and the other friends, the people I know, they haven't been told this. That No one's got them into a dark room and said, right, this is your lie. It doesn't need to have that. It, the group thing has, has a mind of its own. This is the argument Mark Cengizzi often makes, is that systems can self-organize and they can erupt out of the chaos of the world. Um, and I'd like to actually bring in a, a point... Um, he didn't write him, but he. There was a fantastic uh, article by John Ioannidis, who's been a brilliant voice about all of this in the Tablet Mag today or yesterday. It came out. Just Google John Ioannidis Tablet. I think if you just Google Tablet Mag, it's the first one that comes up, and it's about. I can't remember the title exactly. It's about how the norms of science have been destroyed. But he wrote, there was absolutely no conspiracy or pre-planning behind this hyperchanged evolution, hypercharged evolution. Simply, in times of crisis. The powerful thrive and the weak become more disadvantaged. Amid pandemic confusion, the powerful and the conflicted became more powerful and more conflicted, while millions of disadvantaged people have died and billions have suffered. Obviously, you know, Tim, I think, especially the, the last part, you already kind of said yourself that did you not see that perhaps panic and confusion can create this awfulness? I mean, 1930s Germany, I don't think there was a conspiracy to bring Hitler into power and bring about World War II. And A.G.B. Taylor famously wrote on the origins of the Second World War, saying that, you know what, the, the German foreign policy was reactive as much as it was active. I mean, the, 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 the complete failures of Western diplomacy led us into the Holocaust, which I'd probably argue on balance is, is probably worse in the sense of, you know, death is death and it's horrible. But I don't think there's quite the deliberate organized death. I mean, even the... No, but the Van Zee conference did take place. We're not imagining that. That wasn't some kind of spooky coincidence. The Nazis ultimately set out to yes, destroy okay. the Jews. I, yes, that, no, that's true. But I mean, that, I, mean, that's, that, I mean, I think that wasn't the film about it of Kenneth Branagh, Branagh actually called Conspiracy. Um, but what I'm saying is that it wasn't concocted years before by sort of international banking but we're not we're not comparing just, apples with apples. We're comparing we're comparing a military war to what I would call an information psyops non kinetic right, okay. war. I think we're at economic war with China, but I think we're at economic war also yeah. with a bunch of greedy, murderous billionaires. But but Tim, so can you, I'm not quite clear. So if you think it was, um, you know, sort of, I don't know. I, I may be wrong in saying this in how I've interpreted your your uh, theory. But do you think that it wasn't? Uh, Preopted um, or planned, you know, a few years prior by um, sort of Western banking elites. And if so, then how can you marry that idea with the one that China released the virus on purpose? I never said China did. I'm just saying that Fauci should be hanged for what he's done. Uh, he's shared this horror with the world that COVID 19 is a US China co production and that perhaps the Chinese Communist Party quite gleefully co-opted 
the accidental release and turned it into an economic war with the rest of the world. But if Fauci were part of a, uh, let, let's, suppose it, let's suppose that they did release on purpose and, and Fauci was somehow involved, he would be doing China's bidding, not the US's, right? Well, he's paid by the US taxpayer. The, the monies that were invested in COVID were invested by the US taxpayer illegally. I'm just saying that he's, he's probably behind the initial clusterfuck just, just to get the show on the road. But then that clusterfuck was then co-opted by a, a, whole, a whole bunch of other bad actors. There is, a, there is a monstrous dimension to this. I'm not suggesting a common link between all of it, but I'm suggesting that once this, this murderous bandwagon hit the road, there were plenty of people that were perfectly happy to take a ride on it because they stood to benefit from it. Talking of which, actually, James, I'd be very interested in your view as to why you think the likes of, of YouTube and other tech companies, um, such Google, Facebook, etc., have have shut down arguments. Um, and, and, you know, there are obviously there's some crazy people out there and there's some very dangerous information that you don't want to be spread. But we're talking about people well, no, who've just I got no, different, I, I different views. I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist. I think that, that you should be able to hear, every, uh, you know, excluding those who, who, who call for violence or terrorism, yeah. of course. So within the law, We, we have provisions against yeah. basically. Yes, yeah, quite. So, no, I don't, I don't think that they should have. Uh, why, you asked me why I, I think that Facebook and Twitter have, uh, have ch chosen to um, censor those kind of views. Well, I think it's because... Uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> those sorts in, in, in Silicon Valley have this sort of um, feeling that they have this sort of moral imperative to, um, because they, they wield so much power now, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. that they, they, they feel, you know, a sort of, um, and it's uh, calling that fatuous phrase from one of the Spider-Man films, with great power comes great responsibility. James, James, are you familiar with something called Event 201? Oh, it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. Okay, so I Event know. 201 so, took place on Friday the October 18th, 2019. It was a three and a half hour pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated basically the uh, response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. And it was sponsored by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And as part of that simulation, they dealt with managing the message. They dealt with controlling misinformation online. I find it more than a little of a coincidence that they prepared a pandemic preparedness ex exercise at just before the same time that a supposedly deadly new coronavirus uh, emerged in China. Call me a conspiracy theorist, if you will. But could, could that be a chicken and the egg situation? Because everybody was so worried about it. Uh, and, you know, for years we've been told it's not if, it's when. And Fauci, Fauci himself as, said, so we are going to have a surprise pandemic. How can a surprise pandemic be a surprise if Fauci is predicting the fucking thing? Yeah, but that, well, there, there we go. I mean, this, this comes from sort of self-fulfilling prophecies because the gain-of-function research was meant to prevent another pandemic. And so... Events uh, one was meant to prepare us for a pandemic, and one argument that I've often advanced is that if uh, if you're preparing for something so much, then you might bring about the conditions to actually make that thing that you're preparing against actually happen. You know, and so what we've done is we've made this virus, which is you know about two or three times as deadly as a bad flu, and turned it into a new plague, a new Spanish flu. So on that one, there's and, one, there's um, one, there's one, there's one topic that we haven't really covered at all in any way shape or form and it's the 
It's the work being done by Rainer Formick to prosecute the some of the bad actors involved in the PCR test. Tim, Tim, now, could I ju- could I just yes. ask? Could you hold that just for one moment? Because sure. I, I'd just like to ask Alex a question on what he just said there. You said that they were doing yeah. this research in, in order to prepare for a pa- pandemic. Can you tell me how gain of function research is supposed to prepare for a pandemic when you're or, prof- or simply profit from it because so, you're playing both so, sides of the game against <laughs> against the people in the middle I, I, I don't i don't want to comment on like whether it's useful or worth doing i'll, I'll just but, comment on like the reasoning behind it no no i mean i know what you're saying but if you if you ask the question if you ask the question why would you yeah, create yeah. effectively something that is so very dangerous in a, in a lab that's not capable of containing it then that's that's utterly. I mean, a child it's would, t- it's a child would tell you know, that that's stupid. I know, stupid. I know, I know, I know. I mean, it's who, mad, but, but we, I mean, we've we, seen a lot of madness recently. But that's but, but there's the a difference is, between. Is but, you, this is, when you create a, but Alex, there's a difference between madness and utter stupidity. That is utter, complete, and utter stupidity. And on a level that know, you just cannot. I'm not exp- arguing. You, you, so that's why I'm, you have I'm to. I'm not arguing that it's not stupid. But I'm saying that the, the thinking is that you can create treatments and vaccines and all the rest of it from sort of accentuating the transmissibility of virus. Now, I, I agree. I think it's fucking stupid. But I think I think we live in a fucking stupid society. I mean, I, I know this is this will sound flippant, but it really bothers me. And it's a bit left of the traffic lights, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, you know, we have A stars at A level, right, in this country. And they actually want to bring in A star stars. (laughs) Now, I want to bring in my favorite film, or one of my favorite films, of course, Spinal Tap. And goes all the way to 11. He's showing them his guitar. It goes to 11. Yeah. And and Rob Ryder goes, why don't, yeah, (laughs) make make 10 be the top one and go for that. And I wish, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working with the Acclaim Party recently with Lawrence Fox, and I'm arguing that for the next election, we take the dialogue from the director and just replace 11 and 10 with A. And so why not just make A harder and make A be the top one for the educational policy? Now, it sounds ridiculous, but the point I want to make is that that movie was designed, that scene was to show you how stupid this band was and how they're a bunch of idiots. The fact that we have A stars shows that they have, well, we are being led and ruled by spinal tap levels of idiocy. And so we can't discount. Unfortunately, the reality is when you come to like health management and pandemic management, stupidity means death. But you're talking about scientists. So, so people have said to me, oh, you know, why do you worry about these jabs? Why, you know, there, there are people who, who love looking down microscopes. They know what they're doing. They're really smart. You know, this is, this is that for them. Yeah. From the lovely people who brought you You thalidomide. So, so, so let's, so let's, let's unpack that a little bit. So these people who absolutely love what they're doing and they're first class in their, in their field, are actually creating very dangerous viruses at the same time and allowing them to be released. So you can't have it, you can't cut it both ways. And every, we of course, that, they're, they're not highly dangerous. Pardon? They're not highly dangerous. They come with dangers that are undervalued for sure. They're not highly dangerous, did well, you say? Well, what, what, the, the argument... They come with dangers scientists. that are underreported for sure, but they're not highly dangerous. That cannot be said. The, the, to, to take a virus and to make it, put it into human humanised mice and to to increase its potency, increase its its um, its transmissibility and 
To, to, sorry, I, I thought we were talking about the vaccines. Oh, oh, oh well, we're no, I, I thought we were talking about the virus. Well, you see, this, this, oh, okay, this no, is the thing I'm talking sorry, about. Sorry, I'm we're talking about the virus yeah. and the vaccine. So we're saying that, you, 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 on the one hand, you're saying we've got to trust these scientists because, you know, they, they, they just love what they do and they're really good at what they do and they're first class Absolutely and they'll, they'll create oh, yeah. first class yeah. butter. But at the same time, it was scientists who actually made this happen in the first place. So, you know... You know, well, that's what you, you may as well say that you, you can't trust anyone from any profession well, because, that's a, well, you can't trust any doctors. That's a reasonable bet these days. Harold, Sh Harold Shipman uh, exists. But James, that's a good place to start. Don't trust until you've until it's been proven. Tr tr distrust and verify. Well, well, um, well, I would I would urge all of you to read this piece I mentioned before by John Yanidis, but. What he didn't mention in that piece, which I thought was screaming to mention, was Lysenkoism. Um, are you guys aware of Lysenkoism? No. It was um, just for our listeners, please the, explain. So, it. so, it was a scientist in the Soviet Union called Lysenko, and he was a shit scientist, and he was behind all of the collective farm um, stuff that Stalin was doing, which contributed to, as you know, Holocaust levels of death within the uh, Western Soviet. Soviet Union. I think Stalin called them statistics. He called them statistics. Yes. Well, Lysenko was like his go-to guy who was saying, no, no, you don't want to farm this. You want to farm like this. This is the future. Everyone, and in a, in a chilling echo of what's happened now, he was so influential that he was able to have competing scientists disappeared. And I think maybe even there's a session that a few were killed for opposing him simply in the pages of journals and scientifically. So, you know, scientists are just people like any other. They're just ambitious. They're just as ambitious. They're just as stupid. They're just as culpable when things go wrong. And I still think that perhaps Lysenko probably. You know, it's 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 a statement about nature of evil. I suppose it's that evil people don't get up in the morning and think, "How can I be evil?" They think, "How can I make the world a better place?" I think part of the problem is also that you you expect the government to tell the truth. And if if you'd like to watch. A, a episode of Veritasium, which I'm a big fan of, where they talk about how Kodak, and they use the word exposed, um, the nuclear testing. I thought this heading meant that they were actually like, they looked at the bomb and they took a photograph of it. Not at all. What was happening was the, the US government was setting off bombs on the east coast of America and not telling anybody and irradiating the whole country and keeping it quiet. Mm. But Kodak noticed because their paper was being ruined. So what Kodak said to them, could you just let us know when you're going to set your bombs off so we don't ruin our paper? Ah. And and the government <laughs> said, yeah, all right then, but we won't tell anybody else because, you know, they, they're probably going to die from radiation poisoning. We don't really want to do that, do we? So we'll just keep it amongst ourselves. Um, and it could be a little conspiracy theory that somebody says, you know what, these levels of death in children from um, thyroid cancer seem to be a bit higher than usual. But, you know, nothing to see here because there's no there's no evidence that they were doing that. Um, so, you know, so that's the sort of thing that actually these, these levels of myocarditis in children, so, nothing, nothing to, to see there. So so when you hear about things like that going on, doesn't it start to make you a little bit more concerned about who's got your back? Well, of course. But, you know, this is. I think that we uh, Britons are are in an even worse position than those in other countries due to the fact that we have a socialised monolithic healthcare system. Uh, so it makes the sort of groupthink uh, even worse within those uh, within those doctors. They, they, you know, I've heard some 
go on to uh, to uh, talk radio and other sort of news outlets and 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 actually outright say that the, 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 these uh, newly developed so-called vaccines come without risk. Well, that's a downright that lie. That's a downright lie. Everything's a risk, yeah, isn't it? It is totally lie. I mean, some people are going around saying it's the safest vaccine ever. Yeah, well, that's Sorry, complete nonsense. Uh, I'd just like to come back to the PCR yeah. test point, which is that you have a gentleman by the name of Rainer Fulmick um, trying to establish class action cases against some of the bad actors, notably in the German health scene. And it may be news to some people that the, the, the premise of that case is that we are no longer dealing with a, an epidemic or a pandemic, if we ever were, but we're now dealing with a PCR false positive pseudo epidemic. And that's because the whole nature of the PCR test is being abused at, at quite a shocking level. It could well be that you know, there never really was a pandemic in the true sense of the word. The WHO themselves changed the terms of a pandemic at the start of this crisis. There is so much lying and bad action going on. Um, frankly, whether whether there is an overarching conspiracy or not hardly matters anymore because we know that plenty of people have exploited the situation to their own ends, and I think this has to end in uh, this has to end in in courts, and it might have to be the biggest criminal uh, action in the history of mankind. It, it, it's come received wisdom that the first lockdown actually uh, brought the R rate down, when in fact the R rate fell below one even before the first lockdown was implemented. Okay, so you know this argument that. Um, those that um, those those cancer, pa cancer patients that died who would otherwise have not had they received treatment would have died anyway uh, if we didn't lock down because the, the NHS was going to be overwhelmed. What about the suicides? It's complete tosh. Why? Why? On that point, why? Yeah. Why did we suddenly jettison hundreds, if not thousands, of years of accepted scientific practice on the whim of uh, the whim of wankers like Neil Ferguson? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to be a debate on that. Well, let, let James um, respond. I, I, I would. It's because the sorry, the, James. It's because of the uh, CCP's intervention, is it not? I mean, did they not uh, tell Italy when that they should have locked down harder uh, before we, we even should? You're beginning to sound like you believe in an overarching conspiracy, James. So, sorry, I thought you were saying that sarcastically, James. But you were saying it would ser Were you serious? No, Tim knows that I agree with him on on much of his theory. That that's uh, that's very good of you to so, say. So I'd like to I'd like just to call Tim up on a tiny bit of factual thing, but the WHO actually changed terms of the pandemic after the swine flu outbreak in two thousand nine. And uh, Deborah Cohen, before she was the health uh, reporter at Newsnight, wrote a very interesting piece about the pharmaceutical companies uh, pushing to make two thousand nine swine flu a much worse pandemic and to up the response more than happened. So in some ways, you could argue if there is a conspiracy, I mean, one thing we've not really talked about yet is the financial incentives um, from the pharmaceutical companies. It's almost like was, Pfizer had a dry run that, 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 that they got caught out on, but they've pulled it off successfully this time. It's almost like that. It almost is. And Moderna's share price went from something like $31 to $381 or something. Qui bono again. So it's, it's gone up at 1,200%. And I have, I have a friend who, who worked in who still works in clinical trials. He was at the NHS, he's now in the private sector. But he just said, I mean, when, as soon as he saw the, the Pfizer results, his exact words were bullshit commercial science. Um, but what, what I'd like to do, because I've got some great points, um, what, rather than sort of um, read them out and have everyone respond to them, because some of them have been answered in, in our discussion, 
I just want to read a, a two or three out and then sort of we'll, we'll kick off the discussion from there. So I've got one, I've got two from opposing sides of the argument. Uh, one from uh, Dr. Mike Eden and one from Toby Young, who very generously submitted questions for the programme. Uh, I'll start with Toby, actually. And we all, uh, I, I want to say that we love both Toby and Michael. I think they've been absolutely brilliant throughout this. Uh, especially, you know, Mike's become like a bit of a mate as well, personally, and, and I very much enjoyed working with him in podcasts and the film I did with him, which was banned by YouTube, believe it or not, in about eight hours. Um, but still on Facebook, if you want to watch it there. Uh, so, Toby first. And again, Toby, I just think the, the creation of Lockdown Skeptics has been one of the most brilliant things about all of this. It's been a real beacon in the sort of muddy shit of what's going on. So Toby says... The question Dellingpole can never answer is, what's the conspirators' motive? What is it they're hoping to gain? How do they benefit from manufacturing a pandemic, crashing the global economy and empowering China? Wealth, trans wealth transfer, wealth transfer, power and money, wealth transfer from the poor to the rich, to the already very, very rich. Control. Well, and I'll, I'll, he carries on, unless it's a conspiracy being orchestrated by the CCP, but the weakness in that theory is explaining why you think the useful idiots would do the CCP's bidding Particularly if you think Biden is one of those useful idiots. Well, is Biden a useful idiot? Well, he's an idiot. He's not very useful. <laughs> although <laughs> although, although that, that, that's not a very good point, because there is evidence that, is there not, that Biden was making some sort of um, nefarious business relations. Oh, I'll, I'll go further than that. I'll say Biden stole the election. He's not the legitimate president of the United States. And Trump is going to return. But Bi Biden has pursued the um, lab leak theory Although, I must say, because we've quoted Michael Sanger a couple of times, Michael Sanger's position on the lab leak theory is that it, the lab leak theory was propagated by the CCP themselves in order to make the virus seem more dangerous than it is and justify lockdowns, which is something that we hadn't hmm. quite explained there. I mean, it's, 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 un, I, before, it's unreasonable to expect anybody to have absolute confidence in the veracity of their argument because there are so many moving parts here mm. all we can do is well, try I mean, and, all we can be... try and do is is work towards some loose awareness of just what the hell might be going on but i mean it may be that the if there is such a thing as objective truth we're never going to get get to all of it in in the context of this this dis, this disgusting murderous farce but the, but the truth no. is that um uh, Mr. Dunningpole never quite says exactly what, as you know, as Toby says, he never quite <laughs> tells us what it is exactly he believes the conspiracy theory is. Um, so well, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think I've, I've come closer to a, an exegesis of exactly what I think the conspiracy is, and it's a conspiracy amongst think, very I wealthy think... people and the Chinese Communist Party, perhaps moving in lockstep or perhaps just co-opting each other's errors or plans. For, for their own best interests, which are maligned to the rest of us. So, so the second point of that would suggest an element of chaos. Yeah, if if Dillingpole is so um, certain about this uh, conspiracy theory, then why is he not open to debate Toby Young when he offered to do so on talk radio? Well, you'd have to ask him. He's not. To be fair to James, he's not part of, to James Dillingpole. He's not part of this pod. You'd have to ask him yourself. I don't think. I don't think we can. I don't think we can put words in his mouth. I don't need to ask him myself. I'm, I'm merely posing. I'm merely posing the question. My God. No, but the, surely though. But James and Toby have a podcast together every week where they kind of argue with each other. Yeah, they, they, they don't need to freeload on hours. But the, yeah, well, no, they, 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 they don't need to debate on talk radio because I think James also has a position of not doing kind of mainstream media anyway. Um, you know, which is fair enough. Um, uh, but because but, I, I still want to go through a couple before we sort of wrap up as well. So this is from Mike Eden, 
Yeah, sometimes I wish Mike would just stop being under the bush and say what he really thinks. It's definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> 40 years training and practice in new drug discovery and development. By what but what mechanism did scores of countries discard their pandemic preparedness plans and adopt not only senseless and flatly wrong and ineffective MPIs, that's non-pharmaceutical intervention, not only that, but they all adopted lies along with the same MPIs almost worldwide. We knew long before 2020, we knew masks had no effect on respiratory virus transmission. We knew that asymptomatic transmission was epi epidemiologically irrelevant. We had China plus Germany's drafts to big it up. Since asymptomatic transmission doesn't happen, lockdowns could do not do much to transmission, and it did. PCR was known for years before to be ultra prone to throwing out false positive pseudo epidemics. Even now, they're still not evaluating the operational false positive rate. It's all fraud. Um, so, that, uh, so um, actually, while we're here, actually, I've not read this, uh, but Bob Moran sent something in. Um, so could could, could, could James just respond to that? Time. Yes, well, I don't actually agree, uh, sorry, disagree with any of that. I mean, who could? Who could? Who has looked into these things like the, um, the effectiveness of, or, sorry, the negligible effect that these uh, masks uh, provide to people from COVID? Or the uh, you know these P these tests that uh, often uh, show false positives. Uh, who who could disagree with that? Of course not. But 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 what Mike is asking is why did uh, everybody abandon that received wisdom in lockdown and and shut down the argument on the other side? Indeed, oh, oh, indeed, I, I Mike himself has been that, shut yeah. down. I mean, some people I think within the Conservative government even admitted as such that they did the. Um, they mandated masks simply because, you know, the public was screaming at the government to do something. So that was the something they did. Uh, completely ineffectual. Well, what they could have done is said, look, we, we would ask you to wear masks if we thought it would help, but it won't. So carry on. Why didn't they just do that? That's quite simple. Well, I think Laura Dodsworth spoke uh, about this in State of Fear, where she said that masks are recognised as a signal to tell everybody there's a pandemic on. Yeah, because you'd yeah. forget otherwise, because because the corpses are piling up in the streets. But but Alex, what what? <laughs> so you want to let you you think people are going to forget? Do you that there's a pandemic on unless you make people wear masks? That's quite that's you quite know, a weird well, argument. That's what, no, that's what that's what the. Well, what, so I, I want to stress as well that I've kind of been drawn into this a bit, but I felt like a lot of my interventions are sort of more broadly on James's side because I didn't want it to be like three against one. <laughs> I think that's fair. But generally, I oscillate between the two positions and, and you know, war friends here. So that's why Yeah, I'm absolutely. A, you know, sometimes I'll be playing devil's advocate. I'll, 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 speak for, speak for yourself, Alex. Is... I hate all of you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I like you. <laughs> but um, what I would say to that specific Ooh. point, Paul is that when you're on a footing like this, um, every uh, facet of government uh, feels they need to do something, right? So where I uh, lived until this year, um, just near Victoria Park in East London, uh, they banned cycling initially when they opened up the park again. Well, first of all, they fucking shut the park, which, you know, why? I don't know, but they did. But they banned cycling. And... You can just imagine that there would have been some council meeting in Tower Hamlet's council saying, right, there's a global pandemic on by Zoom. And they would have said, right, what can we do? Keep McDonald's open, but shut the gyms. It's all about health. Yeah, keep... <laughs> yeah, shut, shut the... Stop cycling in Victoria Park. That'll, that'll do it. That'll keep us safe. There's, there's a, there's a but, cycleway so, in Gospel Oak. I don't know if you've seen it. And it's just this... this um, it's got a sign 
it's there's a lane for cyclists and all it says is COVID-19 and it's got a bike. And I just do not understand. <laughs> that is, What's that supposed to mean? Maybe it's a propaganda thing to the virus saying, COVID-19, <laughs> this, get on your back. Yeah, it could be. May, may I answer Paul's point, yes. please? Yes. yes. You, you, so you asked uh, what, why I think it was not some sort of uh, conspiracy or something to do with the mask wearing. No, well, it was no I just said what, that wasn't what I said. What I, what I asked was why the government's got plenty of power. They can, they can spend a lot of money on telling people to you know, live healthy lives and do the right thing. They can go on these press conferences and explain what they're doing and what the science is. So you're, you're saying that, that they were under pressure to do something. And I'm saying that the general public public aren't stupid. If you tell them, look, there's a pandemic on, but it's not going to help to wear masks. So we need to do all these other things. Wash our hands that we know now know was a waste of time. N- not anyway. only that, but mask wearing will actually exacerbate the problem by, by increasing so too, the amount yes, of germs right. and decreasing the amount of oxygen flow. No, I agree with that. But, yeah. that, you know, yeah. that, you know, as my friend Laura Dodsworth says, mm-hmm. uh, the behavioural scientists told the government that, in all, that uh, you know, when they were ending lockdown, what was it, the first lockdown? I think, uh, I can't remember when they made the mask mandatory. Uh-huh. But it, it was, was basically... First lockdown. Yes, yeah. So it was, uh, it was basically to um, signal that, you know, there is still a threat, as Alex said. Okay. There was an account of the Peasants' Revolt in one of the Shakespeare plays, and I think the line is, first, let's kill all the behavioural scientists. I, I, think, I think that's, oh, that's well. a very... James, I think that's a really interesting admission because what they're effectively saying is we we know this doesn't work but exactly but what we're trying to do is control control you control your mind yes we want you to be scared yes, I completely agree and i i, yeah, I don't I think that agree. works that will go down very well with the british public they they would rather be told the truth so they are already lying to us is what you're saying paul but paul i've been arguing this with them since it was first mandated yeah. and 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 and, and uh, i know it's not not no longer now mandated, but even still, I say, come on, look at the, the evidence. They have a neg- negligible effect at most. And also, you know, if you're going to be um, fiddling with your face mask all the time, yeah. you're going to be yeah. spreading germs. Absolutely. But the, the good news is that when they, int- when, I- the good news is when they introduced the climate change lockdown in November, uh, instead of wearing masks, we just have to walk around with lit sparklers up our bum. I think two will be su- sufficient. That'll be the new... Um, climate change prevention measure lit sparklers up bum and that's that's and that's <laughs> uh, that's that because science that's the ultimate bum swab bum burn uh, i, I want to bring in some uh, some really good sure. questions here if that's if Paul, yeah that yeah right? um so these came from ralph who's part of the london third wednesday uh, group and actually at the end of the podcast i'll give the whole third wednesday uh, movement a plug but anyway so ralph had some excellent questions actually so um first to both of you uh, can anything falsify your position James? Um, well, yes, obviously. I, I, I'm sorry to provide you with such an obvious answer, but uh, the thing that could falsify my position would just be a shred of evidence, I'm afraid. Okay, but then, but then, so, but what, what, what level of evidence? A conjunction, and, and not just linking the dots to things that uh, go nowhere. I think what James is saying is once the level of extraordinary coincidences gets above 50,000, then he's willing to, con- willing to con- consider some other alternative. So, 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 same question. So, Tim, I have to ask yeah. you then, Tim. Yeah. What would, what would cause me to change my mind? Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's yeah. a very good question. Uh, I think what would cause me to change my mind would be. Um, when the sock sodomite stops supporting his uh, his answers, and, apo- and, and, and a, it would be an apology by 
Um, it would be an apology by all politicians and an, an acknowledgement that they've, they've succumbed to the, su- the sunk costs fallacy. And that they've abandoned science. What, what about what? What so, about so if a, a, an act of culpability? Yes, it would have to be a mere culpa from about what, half of, the, well, probably all of the political world. Tim, what? What if? Um, what if we paint some blue sky here and say that that? It, what if there are no more lockdowns? Vaccine passports go away, and they stop with the jabs. Um, that would also that would also please me no end. Yeah. So I I, I think what you can say is if you but can I look don't at the, you, that to happen. I well, don't exactly. Think exactly. Because we, we're clearly on a we're clearly on a, a, a runaway train now. Because James, by his own admission, is saying that he he doesn't like what he's seeing in terms of the the, the vaccines and I presume the vaccine passports, uh, and and so if we get more of that, then that the pressure for why they're doing it will we'll reach a point where you've, you've got to ask, well, why are they doing this? Because it's, it's obviously not effective or not effective in, well, with, this effective Paul, vaccine, Paul, with this current vaccine, supposedly. Paul, why would the government not want to grant themselves more power? Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. I, and and I, I think that's a good argument. They are just, they've taken an opportunity. Actually, it was a question from uh, Jonathan Morrow. John Morrow, who's a, a long-time listener. And uh, hi, John, I hope you're well. And thank you for your question. And he says, was it pre-planned or just an opportunity taken? Could CCP still come off worse in the end if their export market dies? Well, I, I hope they do come off worst. <laughs> um, I mean, what, what, just, just a, a very, on this very brief point, I'd like to make a, a point about ESG because that's uh, environmental and social governance is something that's, that's loomed large in the, in the investment community over recent years. And I think it's, it's, it's a classic example of the, 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 the height of hypocrisy by financial market participants. So everyone, every fund management firm is supposed to have an ESG policy. And the largest fund management company in the world is BlackRock, which is cheerfully uh, investing in China. I would humbly submit that any firm, any firm investing in China basically has no ESG policy that's worth the paper it's written on. Yeah. So was that the ethics policy? That's an ethic. Yeah, basically, it's, it's like, what's your... So in a previous era, it would have been, uh, what's your environmental stance? So w- where do you stand on right, hydrocarbons? And now it's, what's your policy on environmental and social governance? And basically, if, 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 if you are... Tra- I would call it trading with the enemy. If you are trading with the enemy... You do not have an ESG policy, and you could you could basically shut shut the hell up about it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, so the argument here, we're almost looking at a new Nazi Germany, but his war warfare of choice is asymmetric. Yeah, it's it's a it's a non kinetic non kinetic war, but it's it's certainly a, a psyops and an information war. So if if we take take mm. a a um, an example of say in, in London, you've got the congestion charge, and and that's obviously because of polluted air, right? So. When we reach a point where all the cars are supposedly electric, obviously that's got to come off, right? Because you won't be causing any pollution. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that would be the case. Uh, well, no, but it, I think the argument on that is um, it's also that London is made more pleasant by not having so many cars in it. Mm, right. Um, okay. So. Is it? But I mean, that's like... It, why can't we just let the market decide? If people want to drive exactly in and right. sit, sit in traffic, that's up to them. Well, I, and if they don't, I they think, don't. I think all four of us would say, let's let the market decide. Although I would say, actually, um, I was talking about yesterday with my missus, um, Cairo is, is a place where the market decides who drives, and it's fucking horrible to drive around Cairo. Um, so, you know, I mean, this is, violates every libertarian <laughs> bone in my body, and that's firmly where I put myself. But uh, it is a good point. And, you know, uh, 
maybe having less cars do make cities more pleasant and more livable. Um, having less, having less socialists makes cities wrong. more more pleasant, more livable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I regret everything I just said. Um, can I can I ask you one more? Actually, um, actually, this is kind of on that on that level. It's the only person I'm going back to for a second question. Ralph submitted four really good questions, but I'm only going to do one more. Um, this is mostly for Tim. Uh, data shows the world has gotten demonstrably better in terms of starvation, poverty, democracy, violence, the planet's getting greener, etc. Until twenty twenty. Secret Masters If this is the work if this is the work of the secret masters, shouldn't we let them continue with their plans? Maybe I could rephrase that as should we all take the blue pill? No, I think you'll find that the the reason why so many people had until recently been lifted out of poverty is entirely to do with the free market, it has nothing to do with any form of administration levied from above. The free market is the best wealth creation source known to humanity. Um, what I find sickening is that you've now got a uh, the Chinese Communist Party is now trying to pull the strings of its own market. I think that's going to end disastrously. The demographics of China are awful. China is going to get it's already old, having not quite yet got rich. And just to round off on the topic of this this whole debate, I think that the 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 coronavirus and lockdown together represent a plot by the Han Chinese to kill the rest of the world. Wow. The, mid the Middle Kingdom taking over once more, reasserting itself. Still on that, I'd like to bring it. This is the last question I'm going to bring in. Uh, this is from Bob Moran. Uh, he sent this to me uh, just a few 10, 20 minutes before we started recording this. And we all love Bob, so hats off to Bob. So the question is, uh, and I've not read this, so you'll be hearing it as I read it, in the set for, as, as I do. Uh, one question that troubles me a lot about all of this is the missing speech from Johnson and indeed every other world leader who has implemented these policies. Why was there not a speech highlighting the precarious and unprecedented nature of what we were doing, talking about the long-held values and principles we were putting on hold and the danger of losing them forever if we continued down this path for too long? This could have been a Churchillian tour de force from Johnson. It's the speech he must have been dying to make. It would have put everyone's mind at ease and prevented such much of the ensuing hysteria. So the simple question is, why have we not heard that speech? James, thoughts? Well, we, we, we may not have hear, heard it, but his minister did. I mean, as, you know, as, as uh, Dominic Cummings said, he shouted to them, no more effing lockdowns. And, and other things of the same sort where he, he thought, you know, I, I don't really buy this stuff and, and I think it's, it's not. So. It only affects the elderly. I don't think we should shut down for it. You know, there's all that evidence out there. Um, while he did, uh, it was political pressure, as a, uh, you know, with the, as uh, Ben Irvine says, it, it was something to do with the unions, but I don't think that, um, I, I don't think that the unions hold as much pressure to the government as Ben Irvine uh, surmises, uh, but it, it was part in that, and it was also due to the fact that there was many people, um, you know, wishing to scalp him and take his place in his own party. So he felt the need, I think, to go along with these um, the, these monstrous impositions that we've been uh, dealt with within these past 17 months or so. I suppose to take the sort of um, argument against that is that he, he, had, he has an 80-seat majority. He'd managed to push Brexit through, although we could argue about you know, how, how much of that is Brexit. And he managed to... Um, do a cull of the citizens sensing voices in his party yeah very successfully you know a lot of people were kicked out of the cabinet he he he's shown these um you know the these um 
Um, oh gosh, what's the word? Um, you know, these so-called polls where apparently a majority of the public uh, want to be not only locked down, but see further harsher measures uh, being given to them. So if he's, if he's seeing that, then what, what else can he do, you know? So he's still, even with that level of power, he's still um, caught in the tide. Well, the you know, the teachers' union did uh, threaten him to withdraw almost all uh, certainly a majority of uh, of the teachers uh, in state schools to go on strike if he did not do what uh, their bidding you know and one of their biddings now is to uh to inject uh, unfortunately inject th- these children with these new experimental vaccines so-called vaccines tim can i ask you um now we all know that you think johnson is culpable and should face trial and all the rest of it um but do you think He's culpable due to negligence. Um, the, or the, be- the best way I can answer this is, is a tweet that I made earlier. So Milton Free Speech asked on Twitter earlier, anyone know what the Conservatives now stand for? To which my response was the Chinese national anthem. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so it's coming to the point where actually I think we, I, I've had a really, really good time actually, guys. Um, what are you, what are you drinking, Alex? <laughs> well, he, he's um, on holiday so to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, so I had some very nice um, red wine from the local shop here next to the hotel. Plus the minibar. And I've gone through during the, yeah, the minibar, I've had two bottles of Ojusko. It's easy for you to say. Presumably. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really, where were you when the vowels were handed out, Mr. Brewery? Um, But uh, it's very nice, Croatian lager. Uh, So, um... Closing thoughts. So um, uh, I'll start with, uh, you, you opened us in, James. Why don't you uh, give a closing thought? My only thing is to say that, um, as Tim knows, I agree with much of what he says. Um, all I can say is that conspiracies are real, but so is confection. Um, I'll let the audience decide which it is Mr. Price is offering. And to Tim, what would your closing thought be? Um, I'd, I'd actually concur with, uh, I'd be happy to, to submit to the, the same um, process that, that James has just alluded. My concluding um, line would be, this has always been about money and power. COVID-19 is about money and power and a great monetary reset. And I just hope that the people of the world wake up before we have central bank digital currencies imposed on us, because by then it'll be too late. So I think we've got a lot of agreement there. Um, in fact, actually, Paul, can, can I bring you in as well? What, have you got a closing thought uh, for, for the show? I, I think there's a clear way to decide who's, who's right here, and that's the, the, the way the future starts to, to pan out. And if more things happen that don't make sense, I think we've got to question them more. And I, I, can, I have sympathy with the argument that the government are just incompetent and i've heard that so many times but there are times when i think even pushing incompetence is is a step too far and in terms of critical thinking it's up to each individual to do the research to do your own research as we always say at the end of the podcast because ultimately that's the only way you're going to find out tim's done his research and I presume James has done his as well. And it's up to you to do your own and make your decision after that. But if something doesn't seem right, you've got to start questioning it and look into it. Don't just leave it because that's not good enough. Mic drop. Mic drop moment. Well said. 
Um, I have a, I'm going to actually, so rather than a, a point for myself, I'm going to quote uh, somebody who said, spoke about conspiracy theories, and this was quite a few years ago, but it most closely accords with my own position. And that's the brilliant, the magisterial Alan Moore, the uh, comic writer. Who v for Vendetta. League, v Vendetta, where, where I think a, an authoritarian government uh, pretended there was a terrible pandemic in order to bring in a fascist state in Britain. Um, science fiction, of course. Set in 2020, we found uh, out. But what Alan Moore said, was it yeah. really? Oh my goodness. Um, but what Alan Moore said on conspiracy theories was this. The main thing that I learned about conspiracy theory is that conspiracy theorists believe in a conspiracy because that is more comforting. The truth of the world is that it is actually chaotic. The truth is not the banking Illuminati or the Jewish banking conspiracy or the gray alien theory. The truth is far more frightening. Nobody is control. The world is rudderless. And I've always interpreted that to mean that there are conspiracies. There are numerous conspiracies, but they're all tripping each other up. Well, excellently put. And I also thought myself that I'd find it slightly more frightening if there was no, uh, you know, concerted conspiracy that joined all this uh, shit show together, so to say, uh, and that it was just the result of utter chaotic incompetence. Well, well said. What I'd like to say um, thank you to Paul and Tim for allowing this uh, joint production. Uh, I've been a huge fan of State of the Markets for years, uh, pre this. And, um, you know, and I was very flattered to be invited on um, last year to say what I thought. Um, and I think it's a really positive thing to, for podcasts like this to come together. And, and thank you also to Tim and James to actually come and, and speak together. And, um, you know, I think that we found that there's a lot more common ground between us than anything that divides us. I'd like, yeah. Um, I'd like to add that. Add to that. Yes, thank you, James, for coming on and and being a good sport and for giving us your view. And also, I think um, as a general comment, we're always happy to have people who disagree with us on the show. Let so both sides speak. We are not the BBC. We will let everybody come on and say what they think. And I think this is the only way we can get to the truth. And. Alex, you know, you're a critical thinker and it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast in the past and you're always welcome on in the future. So thanks to everybody and, um, you know, may, may the debates continue. Mm. And on that note, uh, for those This of is you turning into home, bridesmaids. <laughs> I just want to say in conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just, it's just too much love. There's too much love in this Skype call. The, uni the universe, um, the the universe is love. I think that's something we should bear the in mind. The universe is love. Love is all you need and all you need is love. But what, what I would say to anybody at home who's really enjoyed this discussion, um, there is a way that you can, I mean, apart from you know, sending questions to Twitter, and we'd love your feedback, by the way. What have you thought about this? Put it on Twitter, put it on whatever, WhatsApp group, whatever. You know, we're, we're all easy to contact on Twitter. Let us know. Um, but if you want to sort of jump in on these things as well, there is this thing called the Third Wednesday. Now, this came about by Dick Delingpole, who's James Delingpole's brother. And he started it pre-pandemic and he wanted to get a venue where he get like-minded people to come together and chat and have a drink and talk about all this stuff. And um, he said that he brought it back because he was a little bit um, frustrated that the friends that he would normally go drinking with 
he couldn't have these conversations with. So he created the third Wednesday. It starts off in Worcester, and then I helped set up the one in London. And uh, if this goes out before the third Wednesday in September, the London venue is going to be the Keep uh, W14. That's uh, it's near Olympia. Tim, I um, I think you're going to be there. Yeah, it's right? a haunted uh, haunted German um, war cave, I believe. That's a reference to is a very it? obscure uh, 80s film with Jürgen Prochnow, which I realise now I shouldn't have made into a joke. <laughs> uh, Paul, um, I, we haven't talked about this, but I hope you can come as well. I know you've got childcare and all, all the rest of it as well, but it'd be great if we could see Thank that. you, yeah. James, you're obviously welcome, but you're up in um, Buxton, to which I would also say... Oh, I know, um, I know. There are, I think there, there's one in Mobley in the Wareway Inn near Manchester, which isn't too far from you which is hosted by, uh, I think, Ronan Marr. Um, Zero to Heroes, do it. he does one in the kind of Buckinghamshire area. Um, I think there's one starting up in Brighton. So if you're listening to this and you think that's a really good idea, um, oh, can you start one up, you know, where I am? No, you start one up where you are. That's the whole point of this. We all, if there's not one where you are, the starter up, get out there, put it on Twitter, we'll promote it. And if you build it, they will come. Sorry, James. It's not. Just say that I'll start the Buxton one, perhaps. I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, I'd love to come up there, actually, um, if I'm, you know, in the air or have a, have a trip up there. I think it'd be marvellous. So um, I think it's really positive. And on, a, on another note, I think it's very, very important that we're meeting in real life because they're going to try and lock us down again. And if we are all speaking together across the country, if we can act as a kind of pre-prepare resistance movement, then that would be fantastic. So um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, thanks um, for everybody listening. Um, thanks for all your questions from everybody. And um, we will catch you next time. See you next time on State of the Escape <laughs> from Lockdown Markets <laughs> podcast. Brilliant. Don't let your shit get, let you get out. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.